When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers we'll take the farm animal comment off welcome to the last minute blues podcast donnie fandango jeff burton from 1057 the point jamie rivers from our sister station 101 espn and you know jamie former blue defenseman wearing that number six gentlemen a good thursday to you how the heck are you Good. 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 Donnie, how are you? That's the better question. Well, I'm fine. Yeah. Are you yeah. sure? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Okay. What's all the numbers you wore for the Blues? Just 6 and 20, right? 6 and 20, yes. Yeah. And what what numbers did you wear other places in other cities oh, besides Detroit? Because we don't care about that. Jeff, there's a plethora of yeah. numbers. <laughs> did you run through the numbers? <laughs> yeah, it got to be comical, so I just started to have fun with it a little bit. Uh, left St. Louis, I took number 20 in New York with the Islanders, and then 22 in Ottawa, and I'm trying to think. Oh, then I went to Boston. All the, those three teams were in three years. So I was just like, you know what? This is kind of stupid as it is. And they were on the road when they traded for me. So I flew into Phoenix to meet the Bruins. And uh, they're like, we have number two. We have this. I'm like, those are bad numbers. I'm not wearing that. I'm like, what about 31? Have you got 31? They're like, what? 31? It's a goalie jersey. I go, right. perfect. Nice and big. <laughs> <laughs> so I threw on number 31 as a joke. And so then I said, screw it. I just wore the goalie jersey all year, which came in very handy when you're fighting, by the way. Sure, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It's nice and big, and you got lots of room to, to get around in there. Wait, um, they literally gave you an actual goalie jersey? Well, yeah. It was made for a goalie. So. Oh, see, I thought they would just take a normal jersey and put 31 on it Well, for they you. offered to do that. But then after I wore the goalie jersey for a few games, I was like, you know what? Oh, you just wanted to leave it. I think we'll just leave this gotcha. just the way it is. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, then I wore number four in Detroit. Some of the best years of my career. <laughs> I'll disagree. <laughs> it was dark times for you and I, I'm just saying. And I wore number five in Phoenix. Nick Lidstrom had asked me to wear number five in Phoenix in honor of him. No, he didn't. He didn't. But, uh, <laughs> so I wore number five in Phoenix. And then, I don't know. I lose track. But and check Google. You know what? That brings us back around to St. Louis's number five. Uh, absolutely. So Bobby Plager celebrating a birthday today. Seventy-eight. Oh, Bobby. Seventy-eight. I did a charity um, thing with him a couple of years ago, and I don't know him like you guys do. <laughs> but what was amazing to me, <laughs> Bob was very nice to everybody, but he seemed to be especially nice to the pretty ladies. There's no way because that does not. <laughs> that's, just, that's not like his brand. That's, that's off brand for him. He, yeah. he was way more into talking to my Mary than he was with me. Well, well I would be shocker. too in that situation. <laughs> Probably not the first time that's happened. <laughs> no, to you. no, 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 no. I'm used to that. But I know you have stories, but uh, my first ever 
Uh, yes, about Mary. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Whoa, whoa. Hey. Now, hey. We're, now we're deleting stuff. Hey. No, Donnie, I just wanted to be clear that he hey. knew that I have stories of Bobby. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> You what guys you can give now? me as much. You guys can give me as much grief as you want, but there's the lie. <laughs> Stay away from Mary. Continue with the Plager yes. stories. So uh, I had a. Uh, I have several of them. I can't imagine the stories you have, Jamie. But uh, one of the first times that I worked with him was at a remote at a uh, local uh, fast food place, and it was me, him, and TJ Oshi, or as TJ Oshi, him, and me, and uh, <laughs> they brought me in so that people would come, of course, buy and they say wanted hello. a crowd, yeah. yeah. And they went. They went Oshi there all by himself. And it was a it was a local fast food place. And I walk in, and it's the first time I ever met Mr. Plager. I, I met him, and I and I talked to TJ, and then the, the area person, like the area manager, or whatever, comes in. It's just, I mean, not stunning necessarily, but a very good looking female comes in and starts telling us what we're going to be doing. Blah blah blah. Plager walks up to her. Oh no! Licks his fingertip, puts it on her shoulder, fully clothed shoulder. And says, we need to get you out of these wet clothes. Oh, my God. <laughs> See? But it's so innocent. It it's is. not creepy. The problem is that, honestly, here's the thing. The problem is that in today's right. environment, yeah. some people would not like that. Right. And I get it. And there's some people that have had really unfortunate things and horrible things happen to them. And, and I get it. Yeah. I'm here for that argument every day of the week. I have two daughters. I'm married. I've got a beautiful wife. It, listen, I'm here for that fight every day of the week. But when Bobby Plager does it, it is strictly for the icebreaker mm-hmm. and the humor yeah. of the moment. Yeah. And that's, you know, Bobby loves doing that. Like I'll, I'll tell you another one here, staying on that line. And this uh, this one's a little little closer to the edge on this one, but it's hilarious. And he he never said it to a a specific individual. He tells a story like it's in the first person, like it actually happened. Mm-hmm. And B- Bobby comes in the coffee the next morning. He's got telling his stories. Hey boys, uh, I met this uh, met this girl last night, and uh, oh boy, I walked up to her and I said, uh, "How do you like your eggs in the morning?" Mm. And uh, she says, well, I don't know, you know, maybe, I, I'm not sure. And he goes, hey, do you like them scrambled or fertilized? Oh, my God. Now, he didn't say that to the individual. <laughs> Thank God. But yeah. over a coffee the next morning, when you know everybody's had a few drinks the night before, and he tells it, like, he's so much better. That was that was the poor man's version of right. Bobby Plager yeah. telling it. Yeah. But when Bobby tells it, he tells a whole long story that accompanies it, and he gets to that point, and then he the punchline, right? Oh my god! Yeah, and and it was, what's great is when you say, "Oh man, you and your jokes." What's his reply? These aren't jokes. He's like, "What jokes? What jokes?" Was there anyone that winning the Stanley Cup meant more to than Bobby Play? Man, I'll tell you what. That seeing him with that, and then seeing him, and it was just on Twitter today because of his birthday. When he found out that they were going to raise his number into the rafters with Jackman, I think, was standing right mm-hmm. there, too. And just seeing him, here's this tough, grizzled hockey player, been through everything, to see when he realized what Stillman was saying, to see the, the transition in his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To like, oh, my gosh, like that was really, really, really cool. That, uh, sorry, Jeff. No, you're good. Go ahead, finish. because no, I- I'm going to add to it. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say another thing that he used to always say was, and I heard him say this many, many times, was in my playing career, I made pretty decent money. But unfortunately, I spent 50% of it on booze and women and the other 
And then the other half, I really wasted it. So, something, to, something to that effect. Yeah, he, he's he's a fun, one of the funniest guys ever. And by the way, before I say my piece to that, if you ever come across Bobby Plager in St. Louis, anywhere, go talk to him. Yeah, go talk to him. He loves talking to fans from way back when they got here in '67, and he loves talking to the eight-year-old kid who loves the Blues now. Yeah. He has no boundaries when it comes to the age of the fans and talking hockey, St. Louis Blues, talking anything. He'll tell a story, and it's not always a bad joke. It's I've seen him with my own eyes. He's got a couple of grandkids who have been a part of youth hockey here. They've been a part of Synergy Hockey. They come to camps and do things, and Bobby shows up, and he always has a Sharpie mm-hmm. with him because he's just used to people asking for an autograph. So he's like, oh, I got you, pulls out the Sharpie, signs it up, and his grandkids are wonderful. Uh, he's just a terrific guy. And so now leading into uh, my story regarding him having his number five retired, that night got me. It Did got it me. really good oh, for you. Dude, good. it got me. And I was fine up until they lowered Barkley's number mm. and joined his number. Oh, man, and right. then they raised them both together to the rafters. Yeah, I don't yeah. care how tough you are. I don't yeah. care how much you think guys don't cry. There was a bunch of us in the alumni box that night. We were like, okay, get the tissues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I awesome, think it was like though. me and Darren Kimball and I forget who else, like a couple of sandpaper guys, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. We're like, get the tissues. Yeah, it wasn't a bunch of second basemen up there in that. <laughs> I can't say that now. I like Brad Thompson. He's a baseball well, player. Apparently yes, a blister is yes. a real injury in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for, for those of us that uh, – that, um, you know, and I know, Jamie, you didn't get to see uh, Bobby Plager play, but what kind of player was he? I mean, we all know he was tough as nails. Inventor of the hip, Jack. Yeah, really? Yeah. I see now that he's, is something that I, that, which right? I have a big admiration for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, what kind of what kind of player was, what, was Tough it? as nails, man. He was very much like Barrett Jackman, and that's why when Jacks got here, uh, Bobby had said, I'd like him to wear number five. That's a true story. Wow. And so Jax was given number five because Bobby Plager basically put his stamp of approval on the player. And Jax didn't disappoint. You know, he went out there, blocked shots with every part of his body, including his face. He fought anybody in the NHL that wanted to step up to him. Uh, He gave his heart and soul to this team and this city for so many years. So, listen, the number five went to the perfect guy. So if I'm going to say what was he like as a player, look at Barrett Jackman except maybe a little more ferocious. You know what I was going to say? Wow. If the only difference, a little, little bit of an attitude or a little bit of a, I don't know, ferociousness probably he, is the best way to put he it. He had more of mean an street. F.U. Like he yeah. went out there looking for trouble, whereas Jax would handle trouble right. and, and go settle scores. But he was very, Jax was always very respectful and was like, this is the way the game is played. You're going to take a beating now, but I have to do this. Whereas Bobby would skate over and take your front teeth out with the tip of his stick and then beat the piss out of you. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, so that's the, that's kind of the difference there. And the hip check, Bobby Plager is one of the reasons I went to the hip check when I was here. And if anybody remembers my tenure here, that mm-hmm. was my thing. Yep. yep. The, the amount of times that you let somebody take the boards and then you just threw your hip up and just destroyed them. It's like, okay, I'm going to give you the outside. I ain't giving you the inside. And then I just waited for it, and he just closed in and boom, with the hip. It's it's a work of art when it's done right. It was a fun game of cat and mouse because guys would come flying down the wall, and I'd always kind of just drift to the middle of the ice just a little bit, 
And so, and I could always tell I, I, the timing of it. You drift to the middle just a little bit. Their eyes would get bigger, and they like bear down to go down the wall. And that, that's when I'd start the crossovers and just come with the old hip of beef here, <laughs> and I'd hit them. And it, I mean, it was hard. And every time there'd be a bit of a yard sale after mm-hmm. guys yeah. would lose his stick, his glove, be upside down. And you want to see a yard sale? Watch old Bobby Plaker hip checks because he would throw them in the middle of the ice. That's the difference. Is Bobby came across the middle of the ice? So think about Scott Stevens coming across, but then throwing the hip check. Oh my God! There were like murders on the ice when Bobby did yeah. it. I mean, I would just think that that is. I mean, you're looking at a concussion or close to it if you get. And you're, there ain't no helmets back then either. No yeah. helmets to fly off. No helmets. And the the best part about it, though, is back then, which is weird, is guys would let that happen. Even when I was doing making those hits, I'd lay guys out. Nobody came after me. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, it was a good hit. The hip check is viewed so different than a, a, like a full upper, like standing up cross ice, middle of the ice, Scott Stevens hit. Now, you do that these days, somebody's running after you to fight you. Right. But you come across with a hip check. Very seldom is there any bell to be answered because, like, nah, it's, a, it's really a damn legal play. Right. Yeah. Really legal. Look at Nicholas Cronwall when he played for the Red Wings. Jeff, your favorite team. Yeah, love those uh, guys. People would get Cronwalled, as they call it, and he'd <laughs> come in with the hip check. And now a couple of times guys went after him, but very seldom. And that was in the temperature of, like, just before this era. And the guys were looking for blood back then, but the hip check is just viewed differently. Mm. I got a question for you, Jeff Burton. You? You know, just mm-hmm. me and you, yeah, couple just, fans just here. You and the fans. Oh, okay, I'll just go now. No, 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 no. you're oh, skating. Stop. See, no, see, in our you, mind, you're out there skating around you, and we're coming get, up with questions. Just listen to this question and you'll understand why I'm not asking you. Jeez, so sensitive. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> so once the conference is split and the Wings went to the East, we stayed in the West, mm-hmm. I just do not look at those wings the same way that I did when I was younger. And, I dude, I hated them with every fiber of my soul, maybe even more so than the Hawks. Yeah. At what point, because you're a hockey fan, yeah. man. Yeah, like, yeah, at no, what point does the the tradition <laughs> of, of that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, I know what you're saying. Um, it's two, It's a couple of, there's layers. Okay. Um, long time ago, I had a co-worker friend co-worker more of a co-worker nothing wrong with him but we didn't know each other all that well that all of a sudden became a red wings fan when they were kicking ass so annoying you know so he's that guy yep which is fine if you want to put a red wings banner on your truck but own the fact that you just jumped on the bandwagon sure and this guy would not let that go okay uh another thing is there's really three they owned the Blues for so long, yeah. especially with the Russian Five and all that stuff. And then, honestly, when he went and, and played for them, it was tough for me. It really was. <laughs> I'll be darned. Yeah, it really was. Because this is going to sound so creepy, but I don't even know if I told you this, Jamie. When you didn't play in St. Louis, I would look at box scores and how you did, honestly, to even see if you played. And that's not a joke. It's I would see if you played. And as long as you weren't a healthy scratch, I would go through the box scores and see how well you did. That's not creepy, Because I dude. wanted that for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, that's you not know? creepy. That's no. just you following your I know, homeboy. but you pissed me off when you signed with Detroit, okay? <laughs> Why would you go play with a bunch of Hall of Famers? It's me, man. It's me. How does it affect our relationship? Well, the funny thing about the backstory of signing with the Red Wings, and you know that was a hard decision. Of course, Because yeah. I hated that team with a passion. And uh, I actually had about two or three other offers that year as a free agent. And my agent, Matt Cater, who we had on – 
the live blues podcast yeah. way back when, and we're going to get him on again because he's he phenomenal. Was fun, yeah. yeah, he's fun. He's great. He's super knowledgeable. He called me and he said, I got an offer from the Red Wings. And we had the Coyotes at the time and a couple other teams, I forget, that were better offers, were multi-year offers for me. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to go play in the Western Conference because that's where they all were. And uh, he goes, uh, the Red Wings, I think you should go there. I'm like, Matt, it's a one-year deal. I'm like, what are you, what are you high? You know, like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm telling you right now. He said, those other teams that are offering you a contract, they're not good. They're not good. So he says, what's going to happen is you'll play for half the season like you think you will. And then the second half, you're not going to play much because they're going to bring in all their young guys and consider it not a tank job. But we got to get these guys some ice time, some development. You're Looking gonna... forward to next year. And I was like 30, 29, 30 at the time. They're going to think of me as an afterthought and move on. You know, we'll waive this guy next year. Or we'll trade him, whatever, because we're going to go with the youth movement. He goes, I'm telling you, Riv, the play is Detroit because Detroit wants to win every year. They like talented young players, but they don't have a talented young defenseman right now. So, yes, you'll be number seven defenseman over there, but one injury and you're in, and you're in, like, for the rest of the season. So I signed with Detroit, and uh, I got sent down out of camp for a day. And in that day, Darian Hatcher took a hit against the Ottawa Senators, blew his knee out. I got called back up, joined the Red Wings, and never went anywhere else. It was that year. I played fifty games, had a great season. Um, they re-signed me for two years after that. Ken Holland brought me in his office, and he just said, "You did everything you, you that we wanted you to do. I'd like to offer you, you know, two-year deal." I jokingly said, "Well, can we start at Lidstrom Money?" Right. Sure. <laughs> yeah. True story. And he I said, said can "Yes." We, can we start at Lidstrom Money? He giggled because Kenny thought I was funny, <laughs> not just when I played. Um, and he said, you're half as good as that guy. I go, deal. <laughs> you're a tough negotiator. He goes, hang on. You're one one hundredth of the player that guy is. Well, I said, all right, deal. Go, going back to the decision not to sign a one-year deal with a uh, lesser team, if they decided to bring in younger guys and, hey, let's just release Jamie, that looks bad on you then uh-huh. because you couldn't even stick with a bad team. Well, that's the thing, too. That was right? the strategy is if you go to Detroit, and I knew my skill set. I hadn't used my skill set since my first couple of years in the NHL. After that, I was basically turned into a defensive defenseman that ran around and hit everything that moved. Well, Detroit wanted me to come in and play hockey. They were like, we need your physicality because we don't really have any. We've got, you know, McCarty up front and Yuri Fisher a little bit on D, and that's it. He goes, we have Draper and Malpe, but those guys, like, they run around and hit people, but they can't really back it up. And so they said, we need some, some grit on the blue line. But we really are interested in your talent. We know you were a massive point getter in junior. We know your first couple of years in the American Hockey League, you put up big numbers. You made the all-star team twice. So they said, we want you to go back to that player. And we have the guys around you that can help you do that. And so it goes back to the, I think you've heard this story before, my first game for the Red Wings. It's uh, Chris Chelios is my partner. Just a name drop there, no big right? big deal, yeah. So it's Chelios over to Rivers. Three hard strides to the red line. Fire the puck in. Dump it in. Efficient. Go back to the bench, and Holly leans forward and looks down at me on the bench. I see him in the corner of my eye, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm ignoring him. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, not gonna look. Because you know he's gonna chirp. I don't know something. what the hell's okay. wrong with him at this point, but I'm just like, I'm not doing it. I just had a good shift. I didn't get scored on. Life is good. He leans down again, looks down. Now even more so, like leaning so far. <laughs> so I see him in the corner. Of my eye, I go, what? 
what? I'm like, what the F's your problem? He goes, this is Detroit. We don't dump the puck in in Detroit. I'm like, all right, fine. I'm like, now I'm pissed. I'm like, Holly just called me out, and I dumped the puck, and I thought it was a great play. Apparently it was a bad play. Now I'm in my own head, right? Oh, God. Steve Eisenman, who's sitting right next to me, who I've known since I was like eight years old from Ottawa and all that stuff. He goes, "Uh, yeah, Riv. He's like, "Uh, we don't dump the puck in. He goes, nobody's going to get it. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, go, okay, well, what do I do then? You know? He's like, make a play. He goes, you're a talented guy. He goes, make a play. You don't see anything. He goes, back, go back D to D. He goes, heck, pass it back to the goalie. He goes, we don't give up the puck. We keep it until the other team takes it from us. Oh, they sure did too, didn't they? And I was like, okay. So then I start playing that way and sure as You crap, know what? It, all of a sudden things start clicking. I'm playing at times with Nick Lidstrom. I'm playing with Chris Chelios. I'm playing with Matthew Schneider. I'm on the penalty kill. I'm like, I was like, this is fun. Now, can I ask a question about the role of the agent? One of my frustrations sometimes when I'm dealing with a band manager is that the band manager does not have a realistic look on where the band is at this particular point in their career, all right? But it seems like your agent, in a way, is incredibly honest, incredibly direct. So that agent has got to be the one to tell you the way that it is, not how maybe you might be perceiving it, but maybe a more kind of tuned-in version of some stuff that maybe you need to hear, that kind of thing? It's not all agents, either. There's some agents that'll sit there, and they will just continue to pump your tires and tell you you're awesome and pat you on the back, and, oh, they're stupid for not signing you, they're screwing you over, this player sucks, you should play, not him. And all that does is it creates this awful toxicity in the player's head. You end up hating everybody Mm -hmm. at that point, and really doesn't do you any good. So my agent, Matt Cater was brutally honest. Now, the best thing about Matt Cater was he was part of the scouting staff that drafted me here in St. Louis. And so he knew from watching me play and coming up through the ranks and then playing in St. Louis in the early years, he knew what I could do. So he knew that all he had to do is get me to have my foot in the door somewhere and that it would take care of itself. And But he was very honest. He's like, listen, this is what we're going in. We're asking league minimum. He's like, you need to prove yourself – Never mind looking to hit a home run off this because league minimum, you go back, you get a second, third year deal, and that way you get to to basically build a foundation with that team and your pay goes up from there. But he's like, you need to be the guy right now, the consummate team guy that if you play, you're in a great mood. If you don't play, you don't walk into the locker room dragging your lip. And you do, and that's what it became. It beca- That actually became a talent for me to be the guy in the locker room that you couldn't tell if I scored three goals or if I hadn't played in three weeks. And because nobody wants the Debbie Downer mm. around. You'd walk in and you're like, you know, everybody finds a way to get the hell away from you. And coaches then are like, we don't want this guy around. So for me, it was a, a strategy and a talent to uh, be positive, joke around, keep the room light. Uh, and then when I was called upon, the biggest talent was being able to sit out for two weeks and then play like you never missed a shift. Mm. That's incredible. And yeah. that that became my value towards the end of my career. I mean, Hell, if, I, if I didn't ride a bike for two weeks, I'd have to re, re <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's just like you think about a pinch hitter in baseball, man. Yeah. You're sitting on the bench for the whole frigging game, and then those that can come and make it happen in situations where it matters, that's a, an unbelievable skill. Well, really big news for the NHL this week, and that they sign a huge deal with ESPN. And... 
I, I just kind of want to talk about this from a from a fan perspective. I, listen, I don't want to be super critical of NBC Sports or you know because it was great to have a place to go to watch hockey, but it just didn't feel like it was ever a priority. And I understand, I get the numbers, but do you think that with this moving to the mothership, as it were? That maybe this is putting hockey on a little bit better of a of a foundation here in the states. Can you just kind of talk about this deal, man, and what you see? And also, do you know a reason behind how why did they all of a sudden jump back to the NHL? Like how come? Because I yeah. remember when they got rid of the NHL, they put in like like po- World Series poker or something to that effect, and said, "Oh, pe- more people will watch this." What's the reason? Also, along with everything he asked for them to come back, guys, the NHL has grown. Right, and so credit to Gary Bettman. People want to boo him and take shots at him, and trust me, he deserves some of the criticism. And I'll never forgive him for locking us out three times during my career. It's money I won't get back. But the NHL, the game itself is healthy, and it's doing very well, and it's growing, and the ratings are doing very well, and they're not ditching NBC. It's going to be both networks. Okay, I'm sorry. So much like the NFL has, you know, CBS and then Fox and then they have ESPN for their Monday night football game, it's going to be part of the coverage for the NHL. And it's essential. ESPN is the mothership of all sports stations. Doesn't matter how you slice it. Anytime you're looking for something, you're looking for an update or this, that, you go to ESPN. Mm -hmm. No matter what. They got ESPN2, they got the Ocho, they've got, I mean, you name (laughs) it, right? And so that it was essential for the NHL to grow the next step with somebody like ESPN. And it's going to help so much. The money, the, it's going to be a couple of billion dollars worth of revenue coming in immediately for the TV rights, which is uh, the timing couldn't be better. Coming out of a pandemic, yeah. uh, you're going to have the, uh, what, the, the billion dollar entry fee from the, uh, the Seattle Kraken that's going to be distributed amongst the NHL teams. You're going to have this TV money. Things are going to be good for the NHL, and the coverage is going to be greater. And so NBC, it's competition, right? Mm-hmm. So you want the big games. You want the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs versus Montreal. Montreal, okay? Let's not do that because it's Canada, right? Okay. That was stupid. Let's go with California Golden Seals. <laughs> no, if, and... if the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights, let's just say that. I like to use the St. Louis Blues, but I don't want to be like, oh, my God, his eye, he's looking through blue-colored right, glasses yeah, yeah. right Hallmark. now. Hallmark. Yeah. Right. So we'll go, with, we'll go with Washington Capitals, Alexander Ovechkin, against Colorado Avalanche, Nathan McKinnon. If you want that game to be on your station, you're going to have to prove to the NHL that your coverage – has been excellent of, of their game. And so much like the NFL, where the Monday night football is like the brass ring for all games to have, ESPN went out and bid for it and proved that they could handle it, and that's why they got the big game. So they'll have the the Monday night rivalry or the showcase game of the week, and that'll go to either NBC or it'll go to ESPN. And NBC will have to say, you know what? It's going to go on Channel 5, the real NBC. It's not going to go on NBCSN. Right. We're going to have to put it on primetime NBC main network because ESPN, they're going hockey, main network. So if we don't do that, we're going to lose the big games. So it creates this healthy competition, and at the same time, it's a win-win for the NHL because they're going to be on both stations. Right. It's, it's an epic moment for the growth of the NHL. What can I do to confirm, to keep from, to bar 
Pierre Maguire from being associated with this in any way, shape, or form. Well, he won't be on ESPN. I know you're going to yell at me for this, no, Jamie. I can feel you. I can you. feel you looking at me I, that way. I just don't like him. I don't like him. I never will. I don't like him. Let's spin it to the positive and hope Gary Thorne is involved because Gary yeah. Thorne crushes it, I think. Oh, Gary Thorne's great, but let's yeah. go back to the negative. Okay. I cannot All stand right. Pierre Maguire. I cannot stand that guy. What did he do to you, Don? Let me tell you, let me tell you the absolute <laughs> moment that it freaking snapped with that He had guy. his answer ready, so I yeah. can't wait for No, this. I did. Who was the one that knocked out Bacchus and did the wakey-wakey with the, with, was, the with, was, C- was it Seabrook or Seabrook? was it... Um, Seabrook, I think, said wakey, wakey, or Seabrook hit him, and then somebody else, Duncan Keith, Duncan maybe, Keith, said maybe, yeah, one of those okay. ladies. Whoever got suspended for one or two games because of that, all right, when they came back from suspension, Pierre Maguire was friggin' talking to them like they were some kind of goddamn, like. Like, just some kind of, like, wonderful, beautiful hockey player instead of a cheap son of a bitch that just cheap-shotted somebody and got suspended for two damn games. It made me so freaking furiously, god dang, ridiculously mad. And I just, I cannot, like, and I know that this is dumb, and I know you're going to laugh at me, and I know nobody is going to agree with me, but I swear to God, it just feels like that dude roots for the Chicago Blackhawks more above anyone and anything else. And I'm sure it's not true, and I'm sure people will laugh at me, and that's fine, but I cannot stand that guy. I cannot stand him. Sorry. Thank you. All right, let's go to emails. Uh, <laughs> All right, that was Last Minute Blues Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> you guys say you like it when I get worked up. I love and it. that dude, I that just... That was worked up? God, oh, I just... Oh, no. I expected no, 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 expect really, more. No, nah, but it's just, man, I just... <laughs> Dude, you know what? We all have a sport. We all have a person on TV that just rubs us the wrong freaking way, and that guy just rubs me the wrong way. Okay, so let me take over for you right now while you breathe, get your breath, and and don't yell and don't yell at me about this because I realize that it's just for my (laughs) blues. But I know, but it's my blues colored glasses, and I'm not looking at it like a like a journalist would. I'm just looking at it like a dumb hockey fan. But man, I cannot stand that guy. Okay, first of all, I'm not going to make fun of you. Can we just slow down and let the hamster catch its breath, first of all? Yes. That thing's about to have a heart attack. Aspirin or something. Okay. Are you feeling chest pain? You all right? No, are, you smelling, are you smelling almonds? Lay down on the ground. <laughs> I'm smelling almonds. You're not? Okay, good. No, that's a sign. That's good. I'm glad. Would you like to? <laughs> Anyways, um, look, Pierre, Pierre Maguire is an acquired taste. Not a lot of people like him, Donnie. So you're going to have a lot of people right now that are like, yeah, Donnie, get him. And I don't disagree, Okay. He does promote the Chicago Blackhawks. Think about that for a second. How many games does Chicago Blackhawks get a year? Who do you think he's going to appeal to? The Chicago Blackhawks fan base. We're going to send a bunch of emails and things to NBC saying we love the coverage. Pierre Maguire is the best. Oh, let's give him a five-year extension. Pierre goes, thank you. It's about putting food on the table. I get it, man. Now, should he be so blatant about it sometimes? Probably not. And as far as him talking to the guy who injured Bacchus, why does he care? Like, he didn't hit him in the head. It's a business, right? I understand. but You're from, fired up. From my Pierre fan isn't. perspective, after getting suspended for two freaking games, you shouldn't treat the guy like he's some kind of damn valiant freaking... Tie him up and stone him? In... Well, but, but I'm just saying that I don't think that he deserved respect at that moment for being a dirty City? player... I, I, I just felt like he was welcomed back with open arms after making a dirty so play. So should, That's what I should mean. Uh, Maguire have brought it up to him when he talked to him, or should he, he just shouldn't have gloated over him so much? I think it should have been somebody else that they interview. I don't think that you bring But the story is the guy who's suspended coming back. 
I understand. As a journalist, you know that. That's the story. I, I do. I, it is the story. Then, then, then I guess then maybe then how that it was handled and how he handled a broadcast. it. Yeah, I think it's... I just, I just, okay. And I'm sure that that's some of my Homer bias going over it because no, I hate the Hawks Yeah, but so you're much. also a professional broadcaster and you see when somebody doesn't do something the way you would do it. So Correct. don't knock yourself over Yeah, but it, see, but what sake. I would have done would have jumped over the boards and tackled There you it. go. And that's not professional in any way, shape, or form. That would probably be frowned upon. That, would, and, that uh, actually brings us back to Bob Plager, <laughs> hey, who's done that who's before. Done that before. Hey, yeah. Who is that guy that's just on top, of, uh, on top of McGuire's back? Somebody better get him out of here, man. <laughs> Look, Pierre... Pierre is not going to be with ESPN, as far as I know. I think he signed a deal with NBC, NBC, SN, so he'll be over there for the foreseeable future, I think, unless he opts out somehow, some way. Um, but he's been around a long time. He really does know everybody. And he knows a lot. I know that. Man. I've known Pierre Maguire since I was 13 years old. He scouted and recruited my brother to go play college hockey at St. Lawrence University. He was part of the the coaching staff. And every Saturday, I'd go down and skate with the team. And Pierre used to let me take practice with the team. And so he watched me play, and then he was trying to recruit me, too. It goes back a long way. Now, that being said, Pierre is also great at um, making sure that the people who are in positions that can help him are happy with Pierre. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. So he's not – unfortunately – Maybe not as neutral as you'd like him to be at times, um, but he's just trying to stay in the game. And, and I understand the knowledge factor too. I'm, I'm not ignorant to that, you no, know. But sure. it just—it just—he's been a head coach in the NHL. He's assistant coach on the Stanley Cup championship team in Pittsburgh. He's been around the hockey world and professional ranks for a long time, but it's aggravating. Yeah. It's a f- completely aggravating. I get it. Man, I want to ask you about something I heard you guys talking about on the fast lane yesterday. Uh-oh. And it goes back to the game on Monday night uh, with Kyle Clifford and some San Jose Sharks uh, shenanigans with the guy that Clifford ended up fighting. Yeah, scumbag, we call him. Yeah, <laughs> Perfect. Can you kind of work through that and kind of talk about that? Because there's just something in this story that I didn't know was like a real thing with players. So, so talk about it. All right. So to set the stage properly, yeah. we all know Jordan Bennington punched everybody in San Jose in the face on his way off the ice the last time when the Blues won 7-6. It was awesome. He didn't miss and no, st- no stone unturned, right? <laughs> I think he swept the leg of the mayor after he got off the ice. <laughs> the, guy, the, the guy opened the door to let him out. He got, he got he the got elbow. Too, yeah. He slashed the ticket guy. And I think the valet parking guy may have gotten an elbow. So either way, well done, Jordan Bennington. And nobody in San Jose likes Jordan. No. Nobody. And you know what? Guess That's who doesn't fine. care? Jordan Bennington. Jordan Bennington, yeah. Uh, so anyways, fast forward to they play them again. And there were some comments made by Evander Kane. And, you know, he was betting on himself, I think. Uh... At that point. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to leave it out there. And so I think Craig Berube, two reasons. One, Ville Husso is a goalie that's capable of winning those games, and he's got to get those games. It's a team at the lower end of the standings. And Chief won't admit this. We had him on talking about it, and he said, no, it wasn't really anything to do with the Bennington thing. But if I'm Craig Berube, why would I put Jordan Bennington out there against the San Jose Sharks, and maybe this is a bloodbath waiting to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he goes with Ville Husso, and it's well known before the game that – they're going with Huso. Well, the morning skate of that that day, the the game, there's a guy named Curtis Gabriel from now on will be called Scumbag. And he was out in the morning skate. And the home team, by the way, let me set the stage properly. The home team skates before the visiting team. Okay. 
the visiting team always arrives towards the end, middle to the end of the home team's practice. So you go out and you take a look. Take a peek. You're taping your sticks. You see who's out there. See what they're doing. Maybe you see a buddy, you know, you give him a little head nod, whatever. Where are you at? You're at your your team's bench? Is that where you're? Yeah. Okay. Well, in San Jose, you're not at your team's bench because you can't get there the way it's set up. But they have an opening where the Zamboni comes out. You gotcha. can go out there. Okay. There's glass there. And there's so the you're other... right there by the sheet is where yes, you are. Yes, okay. you're right there. And the players on the ice can see perfectly that people are watching, specifically the other team. And so Curtis Gabriel, scumbag, uh, starts practicing fighting in the morning. He grabs a teammate and starts practicing fighting. Guys... I believe the kids these days call it cringy. <laughs> um, that's cringy. Do, do, do You're you guys... called up for three games. Now, he's fought in all three games. Good for him, and I get it. He's trying to stay in the NHL, and I applaud him for it. You don't practice fighting in pregame skate in front of the other team. I'm surprised you practice fighting at all. Yeah, oh, same no, here. yeah, you have to. Same here. Okay. How I the hell else are you supposed that? to stay in, in shape? Doc? Well, I thought you just fought uh-huh. all the time in the bars and stuff. Well, that used to be games. Okay, that, let's go Sorry, back. Is Hang it on, ninety six anymore? Yeah, you, you're not wrong. Okay, um, and that used to be a really mm-hmm. good way to do it, and now it's frowned upon. And uh, yeah, uh, camera phones really ruined that for oh, everybody. Yeah, so point. much for fun. Anyways, uh, yeah, you have to. You do. You wrestle around. You want to make sure you're ready to go. And usually, you'd find somebody if you're thinking about fighting a certain opponent. Um, you find somebody their size and stature, and you try to f- wrestle around and figure out ways to gain an advantage. And, yeah, it's an art. It really is. I mean, it's just like boxing or MMA. Like, there's a strategy that goes along with it. It's not just grip and rip. Some guys do that, uh, and it works, and sometimes you go to sleep doing it that way. Sure. Uh, so Curtis Gabriel does that, and the guys are like, give me a break. I just wondered. Like, like I wonder Braden if it was Shen. like, a, get a load of this w- guy. Were they just like, you said he grabbed a, a teammate. Were they, were, yeah. were they throwing punches, or was no, it just no, more no. of a balance you work, thing? And you work on, on getting your arm loose, tying up, crossing over, all different strategies to kind of, you know, and Curtis Gabriel's biggest thing is when the guys grab the middle of his chest, like you reach out, somebody grabs, he'll take his right hand and kind of pivot his body and throw the hand off to throw them off balance, and then tries to follow up with a punch because they're off balance. He did tried to do it to Ryan Reeves. He did it to Kyle Clifford. That's his thing. So he's probably working on it. And he should. It's effective. Good for him, that scumbag. Now, that being said, um, the guys weren't thrilled with it. Braden Shen was like, good God. And so Kyle Clifford, you know, he's, he's been doing this for years. And it was his 700th game that night. So to put things in perspective, Kyle Clifford had something on the line to step on the ice and play to earn his 700th game, which is an amazing accomplishment, especially for a grinder like Kyle Clifford. So they go out for warm-up, and I guess there's some chirping towards Jordan Bennington, and Gabriel's one of the first guys to chirp him. So Kyle Clifford wastes no time, <laughs> skates right up to him, and he's like, you want to go? Let's go. Let's do this. And you see in the video, Gabriel's holding a water bottle, and he's like, whoa, what do you mean? Not, not right now. You know, he's like, no, let's, you know, I don't want to say exactly, but Clifford's like, let's, let's F and go. Let's go right now, right now. And Gabriel's like, what the hell's wrong with you? I'm not going right now. And then Kyle Clifford leans on the board and says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going right here until we go. Hmm. And then finally, cooler heads did prevail. And then Kyle Clifford has first shift of the game and uh, scumbag wasn't out there yet at the time. And then he got put on the ice after a whistle, and you knew it was go time. Sure. And then they were swinging for the fences. Like, there was no holding back, and it was grip and rip from a couple of big boys. But what it did was 
it settled the game down. Mm-hmm. There were no cheap shots after that. It was a good game. Uh, maybe not the Blues' best game. They're probably tired, you know, if we want to break it down like that. But there wasn't any BS after that. And so fighting does take the temperature down sometimes. And Kyle Clifford is that guy that Scotty Bowman used to say, you always have to have a guy to keep the flies off, mm-hmm. the good players. Guys, and Kyle Clifford's that guy. Here's my thing about fighting, just being very honest. I, I Obviously, I love a good fight in a game. But then I think about the two human beings that are beating the bejesus out of each other and potentially doing goodness knows what damage to each other, and that's when I start feel, feeling guilty about liking the fighting. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you watch a game where there's not um, a big crowd and a lot of music and this stuff and you can hear it all, that is very startling. It really is. Yeah, look, there's guys that that fight differently, too. There's guys that I call it like fighting for points, right? They, they throw punches, but... As much as they do have something behind it, there's not a lot. They're just looking for the visual of they landed more, and that's it. And then there's guys that are trying to knock your head off. They're, they're throwing punches with bad intentions, and that's when that's when it gets scary yeah. because all it takes is one. And, you know, and even for the guy throwing it, that's where your hand shatters. That's where things happen. And luckily, over the years, the percentages of it are that guys haven't injured themselves in a single fight too badly, but the wear and tear on some of these guys over the years and the, the mental health that they go through sometimes following it, there's been some bad situations. So all around, it's something that is fading from the game, but I don't think it can leave specifically for that reason the other night is if Kyle Clifford and Curtis Gabriel do not settle it there, then it's going to be cheap shots back and forth all night long because nobody ever feels like this has been settled. Hey, what was the story that broke yesterday about Evander Kane and the Sharks potentially voiding his deal? Yeah, I don't understand the logistics of it. Yeah, Something okay. to do with his bankruptcy, uh, the bankruptcy court, and the Sharks can get away from him paying off his debt if he goes bankrupt, but then they can re-sign him, but... I don't get how it's going to work with the NHL. They'd be doing the player a favor, but not necessarily the team, because his salary is still going to count against the cap. So I don't know. I just didn't understand yeah, it. You'd I have just... to talk to somebody way smarter than me. Tommy. All right. Well, that's and we it's don't not know Jeff. a whole lot of those. <laughs> right? I don't know a whole lot of them. People. I really don't. <laughs> so uh, Blues will be playing uh, Vegas a couple times this weekend. No Petro this weekend. Yeah, what a bummer. Yeah. And what ha- and what happened? He blocked a shot. In the game on Friday or Saturday, I don't know, one of those days, with his forearm. And uh, he left the game, didn't play the next game for Vegas, made the trip, and then it was just determined that, you know, something ain't right. So whatever it is, send him back to Vegas, get treatment, get off the road, and do your thing back home. So unfortunately, his his homecoming to St. Louis is going to be delayed. But uh, it is an injury that looks like he should get through it pretty quickly, which is good for Alex Petrangelo. You know, and, and I, it's easy for me to say this because I'm not the Blues and I'm not Petrangelo, but I'm almost okay with that because maybe when he does come back, there'll be more people in the stands. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think that uh, a player of his stature and what he's brought to this city, specifically a Stanley Cup, never mind all the other years of playing his you-know-what off, Yeah. Um, I think that he deserves uh a very close to packed house, hopefully by that point, mm-hmm. uh, to to give him that standing ovation because he deserves it, every bit of it. I mean, they had to go to Vegas to find a block a shot. It's a bunch of crap. 
So I keep saying that for people. Look at the look on his face. It was I'm, amazing. I'm saying that for the people who said it while you know, they were listening to your story. Jeff, I I'm saw the, the hook, same- but I didn't. I didn't water, and I almost bit at it, but I didn't. I didn't. I knew it was. I knew it was a hook. Well, listen, we have got a stack of emails that eventually we'll get to. Sure. Uh, if you have got yeah, something that not. you'd like to ask us, and we've got some great questions in here, let us know. LMBP at 1057thepoint.com. Please make sure you're sharing this podcast with your friends that love hockey. If they haven't heard it, uh, play it for them, all right? Uh, we're having a great time doing this, and we would love to answer more of your questions. We'll be back on Monday. It is the Last Minute Blues podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton from 1057 The Point, Jamie Rivers from 101 ESPN. As always, Let's go blues. The last minute blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.